Alrighty, everybody. Good Sunday morning. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Wiz, we're almost through the first full week of the preseason. Um, in the case of some teams, uh, certainly uh, have not been afraid to put out some of their star players. Uh, some of the other teams taking a more reserved approach that probably changes a bit next week. But uh, definitely nice to see some football. I know we got one more game uh, today. Uh, your, your Vikings will be on the field against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, you know, always, it's always good, you know, at least for me, you know, when you see that football start up. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you what's going to make for a really interesting TV, in my opinion, is going to be the hard knocks on the Lions this week after that brutal, brutal loss to the Falcons. And uh, it's funny, it's a, you know, it's a preseason game and, you know, it's no big deal. But, you know, these, these losses that the Lions took last year, even a preseason game, what kind of Desmond Ritter makes it out oh, an incredible play um, is going to, it's going to gnaw, it's going to bother Dan Campbell. And I think, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. And I'm, I enjoyed the first episode. I know you did as well. Oh, I loved it. And uh, I think, I think that game, the way it plays out is going to just make for interesting stuff because I think it's really bringing back bad memories. They don't want to even in preseason. I know Bill Parcells would like, wouldn't he try, he would try and win preseason games. I mean, what he wants is try and get his teams on a winning trajectory. So I know, you know, Dan Campbell um, is going to be, I think bothered by that. And I think we're going to see that on the, uh, this week's hard knocks. Yeah, and yeah, and by the way, if you haven't seen it, it was terrific. Campbell is a, is a, is a super presence. Uh, Wiz and I talked about this during the week. You know, he's got a very young coaching staff of all ex players. Um, if you didn't watch it, go, go back and watch episode one. Uh, I, I think the Lions are an up and coming team. We've talked about that on this podcast. Um, it, it's interesting too. Is uh, Jared Goff basically went into Dan Campbell's office. Uh, he was not scheduled to play in the game, and he really. Wanted to get in there and get in there for some action, and uh, he had a nice little first quarter for them, uh, taking them on a, uh, I believe, on a field goal drive, if I'm not mistaken, in that first drive. So uh, no, they had uh, no, they started the game. Oh, touchdown. touchdown! That's right, the DeAndre, DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift, uh, yep. DeAndre Swift touchdown. Yeah, yep. they, they they look good. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, this podcast was your idea, so why don't you talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Before I go into that, Wiz, did you you speak about Bill uh, Bill Parcells about that? Did you see the stat where the Ravens have now won twenty? One consecutive preseason games. Yeah, I did. That is just that. Is, that is really amazing. I mean, even <laughs> if you are trying to win every one of those games, and the other team is just you know playing and they're just looking at their personnel, still that that is incredible. And uh, I don't know. I think uh, people uh, have caught on to that a few years ago and just bet them every preseason game until they lose. That's pretty funny, though. So yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I did. I, I did think that this would be a, a decent idea to do, maybe a tad early. I don't know, but I don't think so. Like we, we've been in camp for a few weeks now. There are definitely developing storylines each and every week. Uh, hopefully, you're paying attention to that, and you don't wait till the last minute to look at this. Wiz and I talked about in that last podcast about being prepared, uh, but this one is really about players that are kind of rising up the charts in terms of uh, what's going on in the preseason and how they're being used, and players that are kind of maybe falling back and again this is you know for, for, for Wiz and I haven't talked about the players specifically but you know this is kind of based on observations what we're seeing uh, you know Wiz and I are definitely watchers of what's going 
on from the beat writers on Twitter uh, and everything else that you're reading and writing about. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of where we're going to start out. So we'll start with the quarterback position, and uh, I, I'll start with with this one. And we thought that this could potentially be an issue, um, and there are a lot of folks. Uh, that are maybe calling the shots uh, in, in, in New England that we didn't have a lot of confidence in. A Bill O'Brien as part of that coaching staff. Matt Patricia is back as part of that coaching staff. But the key loss of Josh McDaniel moving on to the Raiders. And you can't help but watch um, what you're reading in terms of what's going on in Patriots camp right now to see that this seems to be an offense uh, that is regressing uh, from where they were last year uh, and maybe having a difficult time adjusting to a new coaching staff. So a guy that I have falling right now is, is Mac Jones, kind of maybe someone who I thought could be a dependable number two. Um, I, I'm starting to worry about what I'm reading uh, about New England's offense, Was Yeah, I like Mac Jones. I really like the player. Um I'm just not sure what that offense looks like. I don't know with this not naming an offensive coordinator and then having two guys who really are not known for play calling or offensive football, um, you know, in, in Joe Judge and Patricia, like handling it. I, I, I just I just don't know what that looks like. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm with you. I'm seeing that as well. Uh, so as much as I like Mac Jones, I'm going to proceed with uh, – question certainly yeah yeah and uh, you know another interesting development and this is with my giants and look brian dable's come into a situation here daniel jones is not his guy the giants have not signed him to a contract uh tyrod tyrod taylor excuse me is a player that uh, had a lot of bad luck over the last few years uh early on in the 2019 season he gets hurt or is it 2018 he gets hurt first game and then baker mayfield enters and doesn't relinquish that starting job a couple of years ago, uh, Taylor finds himself as a starting quarterback for the L.A. Chargers as a placekeeper for uh, uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, the, a, a doctor ends up puncturing his lung, and that's the end of Tarod Taylor. I don't have full confidence in Daniel Jones, and like I said, there's not a lot of buy-in here, but uh, Tarod Taylor uh, looked terrific the other night, granted, against going to second teams. I just think this is a situation I'm just mentioning as one to watch, because I don't think the Giants are going to want to start out 0-2, 0-3. And I think that's one place where you can see a very, very quick change at the quarterback spot, Wiz. Could be. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Somehow Tyrod Taylor only um, is, somehow is able to get in there and play during the course of the season. I'm not the biggest Daniel Jones fans, fan. Um you know, I, I just think there's a lot to his, to a lot to his game that he hasn't corrected um, in his first few seasons in the NFL, and, and I, I don't I'm not sure how much confidence uh, this this the regime with the Giants right now. Uh, they don't have any, you know, they, they they're not married to Daniel Jones. They didn't, they're not the ones that selected him, so it, it could be. Um, but uh, it's more of like um, a thing to be cautious and worried about Daniel Jones and like me wanting to draft Taylor. I just feel like, you know, he's a good NFL backup, but that's where it is. But uh, look, if it's a, if it's one of those seasons for the Giants, this is a rich quarterback class. So, um, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing if their plans are to get themselves uh, a good young quarterback and they want to move on from Daniel Jones, considering the uh, upcoming class uh, of talent in college football. 
Yeah, I would say the one other player that I see moving up in the rankings. Granted, I think he was on the cusp of top 10, uh, but that performance in the first preseason game and things that we've been hearing about in camp. And, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is another one of those players that's on, on, on an approve-it time for him. Uh, but I think that performance and, and certainly seems to be a situation where A.J. Brown is extremely involved in this offense. I think very encouraging to see, you know, Hurts come out of that game uh, going six for six on that first drive. Uh, but moving towards the front half of that top kind of 10, 12 quarterbacks, it seems uh, – uh, at least that's at least in my eyes, Wiz, that seems to be the case right now. Yeah, I think you know he, you know, as we talked about this, his running um, ability, rushing yards, touchdowns, the the fact that their offense is, uh, you know, it's more explosive with AJ Brown. Um, uh, you know, I, again, you know, I, I would not fault anybody if they wanted to take uh, Jalen Hurts early with what he brings to the table. The one quarterback that I am seeing move up the rankings. Um, and this is, you know, a real boom bust week to week situation, but Trey Lance is now getting himself into the conversation where he's getting close and closer to that top 12 to 15 rank at quarterback. And uh, he's a, he's a terrific guy to have as your quarterback too, because there'll be weeks where he'll give you top uh you know, five or six at the position upside on, on a week-to-week basis. Um, not consistently, but he will do that. So he's a good guy to have. And uh, I'm really liking uh, what I'm seeing from Trey Lance, and I think a lot of people in the fantasy football community as well as he is really moving up the rankings at the quarterback spot. Yeah, so I, I don't disagree. I, I guess I'd ask you, is the strategy going to be – Based on what you just said, and I agree with the assessment, doesn't mean that other people may see him as a bona fide, you know, whatever, top 10 quarterback. But could you see a situation, because I think this would likely be the case in a lot of drafts, where if if you are having Trey Lance as your QB, you know, whatever, one slash two, uh, one, one A, that he's going to be matched up with one of those guys towards the back end of the top 12. Is it going to be a likelihood where you see – and that's going to be a fantasy player, by the way. It's going to have some tough decisions on a week-to-week basis. But, but quite frankly, in an auction draft and in a snake draft, that's probably going to be a situation that you're going to have to contend with. Yeah, I, I talk about this all the time. Like, I, I, I'd like to pet Trey Lance up with like a you know a steadier guy, uh, you know, a guy that you could kind of count on. If you start drafting and you're two quarterbacks, which very easily could be the case, you leave the draft with Justin Fields and Trey Lance, you are going to have some wild weeks at quarterback where, one, it's going to be difficult which guy to start, and two, you may have you know both your quarterbacks just having erratic weeks. So you'd like to ideally um, have a steadier guy. And, you know, I wouldn't even mind, like, pairing – um, a Trey Lance with a Jared Goff or even a uh, a Matt Ryan or something like that where you're going to get steady weeks. And then, you know, look, Trey Lance is going to have his ups and downs, but you got to think that in the second half of the season, which is really what matters to fantasy football owners, he's going to get better and better and better. So that that's the approach. But um, either way, he's a quarterback that – you know, people were feeling good about, you know, Garoppolo completely out of the way. So that, that was removed from the equation. Then there was buzz that he's having great work. You know, his, his camp is going well. He has sound bites from 
teammates, and then you, you see what he could do on the field in that first preseason game, and you're like, yeah, that's the player. But the problem is, you know, when it counts and when they're really playing games that matters, the truth of it is he has not played much football in, like, the last three years. So um, it's going to be one of those situations where you want to draft a steadier guy if you're drafting Trey Lance. Yeah, yeah I think that uh, makes a lot of sense. All right, so let's uh, let's move over to the running back position. Wiz, why don't you kick us off at that position? Yeah, but I, just, I just wanted to ask one, one thing or just talk about one quick thing about is there any concern with Burrow and Brady? Um, Burrow looks like he is going to go down to the week one, whether he's going to play or not. Most likely he's going to play, but he's not going to get much work before the game and that surgery. And then you're worried about him taking hits. And then this Tom Brady absence. I haven't seen it yet. Do you think or do you feel that there's going to be people downgrading Burrow and or Brady. Okay, so I'll take the Burrow question first. Uh, maybe, uh, and I can see those uh, who would worry about uh, a player like Burrow not getting his repetition, um, or, or you know, given given in the in the preseason. I think all that will really manifest out of that self whiz is is maybe a sluggish start. Uh, and that I wouldn't you know, that that would that I wouldn't deem an impossibility. Um, but a, but if you're going to ask me if I'm going to downgrade Burrow, me personally, no, I'm not. Um, you know, it does. It will take him some time to get back from the injury. You know, you have to go through a lot of layers when you do an appendectomy, uh, and, and there'll be some residual soreness. So the only thing I worry about is kind of maybe his early season performance. But outside of that, no, I wouldn't downgrade the player. Uh, as far as Brady goes, look, he's 45 years old. Uh, apparently, this was scheduled well in advance. I, it, it has a possibility. You know, he still has young kids, right? Maybe he wants to spend that last week before they go back to school because the kids are in Florida where kids go back to school earlier. Maybe that has something to do with it. I, I don't know. Uh, I know over the years his mom's been dealing with some health issues. I'm not trying to suggest that that's going on right now. But this seems to have been scheduled. Uh, I'm not worried about Tom Brady. Yeah, I, when I thought about it, I thought that you know maybe there was a surgery in his family scheduled, and he wanted to be around for that. The kids is good is a good explanation as well. Just something to keep your eye on, and um, and uh, you know going forward, just odd to see with three weeks of preparation to go to him that he's going to miss a good chunk of that a week of of like the final three weeks. But something to keep your eye on. But we'll we'll move to the running backs and one one running back based on what we saw in the preseason that I see getting moved down in draft board is Josh Jacobs. Um, and people see that the Raiders sat Carr, the Raiders sat Renfro, the Raiders sat Adams. Um, Waller, their precaution, you know, where we were with these nursing and injury, but they wouldn't have played him anyhow. And then you see the number one running back on the depth chart play Josh Jacobs in, in that type of game and not only play, but kind of get extended run. But I, I'm saying Josh Jacobs uh, moved down the board on draft boards in what people feel at best is going to be a full-fledged committee uh, at running back for the Raiders. Yeah, look, if, if we go back and look at the history of what happened in New England, right, that was definitely the case in, in most instances where the New England Patriots never really relied on one single running back for a majority of the time that Josh McDaniels spent there, right? So uh, it's concerning. Uh, I, I know they were taught – first of all, they brought Brandon Bolden in here. Uh, 
Amir Abdullah is getting really talked up as a third down receiving back. Kenyon Drake is still in this roster. Will he, whether he ends up uh, making the final cut remains to be seen. They drafted White. So there's a lot of bodies in here. Uh, I'm not a Jacobs guy. You remember I hated the way uh, Gruden used the player. But there are different things going on here. I'm going to say this right now. There is no chance that Josh Jacobs is catching anywhere near as many passes as he caught last year based on the personnel here and, and now that we have a new coaching staff. So I agree with the downgrade, Wiz. And, and, and the one that I see going the other way, um, moving up kind of draft forward, is I think there's a, a real belief with Matt Ryan that Naheem Hines is going to have standalone value in PPR leagues. You have to distinguish what your league is. I mean, if you're, in, if you're not in a PPR league, there's a big disparity in value for Hines between a, a, you know, a PPR league and a non-PPR league. Um, I know I think you're in a league that's like three-quarter PPR, uh, leagues play half PPR, but in, in PPR leagues that do give value for points per reception, um, Naheem Hines it's kind of like getting to the point where he has standalone value and you hear the coaching staff and Frank Reich talk about that we want to get him back to the point where it was a few years ago in that 60 to 70 reception range, which is a lot, which would give him value. So based on the talk um, and based on Matt Ryan and his ability to throw the ball to his running backs, um, I see Naheem Hines moving up draft boards where he's getting to the point where he could be a starting flex play as well. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with it. Uh, two years ago, he thrived when, when Phillip Rivers was there. Last year, Carson Wentz was there. I think the skill set of the quarterback, as you mentioned, Wiz, remember, he's you know uh, uh, Ryan's played with a lot of guys he's been able to get the ball to you know out of the backfield and catch it. So I agree with it. Plus, you see some, some mention of a slightly uh, – don't panic, everybody, because I still think he's the number one – player in fantasy uh, a slightly lower workload for a player like Jonathan Taylor but but I agree with you on, on, on Naheem Hines I think a guy that's very similar to Naheem Hines uh, and I actually he was one of the players I wanted to talk about though I think another player very similar to that and from everything I'm reading and if you look at what he did last year as a rookie in terms of him getting into the end zone uh, multiple times, five or six, I believe, uh, and the fact that Miles Sanders didn't get in the end zone last year. But Kenneth Gainwell, to me, is a very similar story uh, to Naheem Hines. Uh, and, and by the way, Philadelphia does want to run the football. Now they have an elite offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know I, I've seen Gainwell get a lot of talk, um, you know, um, that he's going to be much more involved in the offense. And I, I, my, my thing with Gainwell is I'm just not quite sure um, if he could be an inside the tackles running back and he could take that wear and tear. I view him as more of a little bit of a scat back running back who could kind of run the ball uh, in between the tackles uh, maybe, I don't know, six, eight, time, eight, ten times a game. But if he could definitely catch the ball and you get him in the open field, he could do some things. So uh, I can understand why um, there's some there's some talk on Gamewell. Um, yeah. So one other guy, I think you've got to be hiding under a rock at this point uh, if you're not noticing. And look, I know this is going to be a situation that's going to be very difficult to trust based on what transpired two seasons ago with all the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire hype that was going on. But 
Uh, rookie Isaiah Pacheco, and especially when he kind of came into the game, you know I hate Ronald Jones. I've made that very clear over the years. I know they re-signed Jarek McKinnon. They have Derek Gore there, and obviously Clyde Edwards-Alaire is there. And this is an elite offense, so this is the reason why I'm mentioning the player. Well, it's very clear to me that there is definitely noise being made and the potential for a player like Isaiah Pacheco, out uh, of Rutgers, by the way, who, who actually may have value uh, much faster than anybody anticipated. Uh, certainly, he's going to be a punt returner at, at, at worst, um, but I, I just feels everything that I'm visualizing right now is, and again, I know challenging to, <laughs> to have confidence in a situation based on what happened a couple of years ago, but Pacheco is definitely a player that is somebody to keep an eye on here as we move through the preseason. I think with Pacheco... Um, the thing to really watch is what they do with Ronald Jones. I think there's a real path for Isaiah Pacheco if 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 Ronald Jones is left off the 53-man roster. In complete candor, if Ronald Jones make the ro- makes the roster, I think it's going to be a massive headache for fantasy owners. Look, Ronald Jones will be drafted. Clyde Edwards-Alaire will certainly be drafted in PPR leagues. I could see Al McKinnon... Um, will be drafted. He was the best running back on the on the team when it, when it mattered most in the, in the postseason for the for the Chiefs last year and Isaiah Pacheco uh, as well. So I'm looking for Ronald Jones because um, I think the the path is clearer and easier if he does not make the 53 man roster. If he does, I don't know. <laughs> I just think that you know at some point in one of these leagues you'll be forced to take one of those guys. It'll, I just feel it'll be very difficult to pass through uh, on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, so there's one more player I just want to talk about. It's more of a veteran player. I think it's falling. Um, we saw last year when this player went down with an injury, his backup came in and performed extremely well. The coaching staff is, is speaking very highly of, of Khalil Herbert. Uh, I am coming especially as well. This is a lousy, the worst offensive line in football. But I would say that David Montgomery, in my eyes, was, is dropping uh, in the fantasy rankings based on two factors. One, Herbert being talked up, and he is a player who was proved himself last year uh, in the absence of, of Montgomery, and the offensive line is quite poor. So um, are you is this Montgomery going down, Herbert going up, or both right now? No, I think it's both, but I'm, uh, it's more about talking about Montgomery going down. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, when we did the, the the capsule on the Bears, it's really what I talked to about at length about you know the offensive line and uh, them really not concerned about field defense is not concerned about fields beating them in the passing game. So uh, I could definitely see that the players talented, um, but for all those reasons, uh, the offensive line, the fact that Herbert's going to get in there, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think. There was at a point where Montgomery was maybe not in running back one category, but he was, you know, certainly 15 to 18, like clearly running back two. But I think uh, there may be even some hesitancy about about that at this point. All right, so let's uh, let's move to receiver, Wiz. Um, so I'll start with a second year player uh, on a team where. You know, they're going to be behind a heck of a lot. Uh, but this player uh, is probably going to go very cheap in auction drafts, in my opinion. And, you know, in snake drafts, he's going to be, you know, kind of back end of the draft. But 
Nico Collins of the Houston Texans, to me, seems like a player that, in my opinion, should be on the rise based on, again, a team that's going to be behind a lot. And it looks like a quarterback that has kind of gained confidence, number one in the player, and just gained confidence over the second course of last year and coming into this season with Somebody has got to catch the ball aside from Brandon Cooks. I mean, so there are a lot of receptions to be had. He's a talented player. There's a lot of reasons to, to you know, take a take a flyer on Nico Collins. You know, um, there's, there's a lot of receptions to be had. One, Davis Mills, I like. I, I, I've said this now for the 10th time. I wish the Vikings took him over Kellen Mond. But he's an ascending player in uh, – I like the way he played in the second half of the season. He put up some good numbers. So with all of those reasons, Nico Collins, I could completely understand why he's moving up the draft board. Yeah, and uh, a guy uh, as well, Wiz, that I have moving up draft boards. Uh, I talked about him in the uh, Green Bay Packers capsule. We know Justin Watson has struggled to get on the field. It's going to be a bit of a mystery around this receiving core without Devontae Adams. We, we've talked about that. Uh, but Romeo Dubs, uh, he scored a touchdown in that game, a wild preseason game against uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. We, we've seen the accolades and the praise that's been uh Put on this player. Uh, he's a young guy, you know, fourth round draft pick. They've had success before with late round draft picks at the receiver position, which Devontae Adams was. Uh, but look, Wiz, I think the opportunity is kind of knocked here. Uh, you know, we we talked about a number of receivers on this team, right? We talked about uh, Amari Rogers that was still here, and and Watson hasn't been able to get on the field, and, and Dubs has been a player that's taken advantage of that, and he is definitely moving up draft boards. Yeah, this is like the uh, trifecta for Dobbs. One, there's tremendous buzz in camp about the player. Two, you get a personal endorsement from Aaron Rodgers. And then the third part of the trifecta is they step on the field in a preseason game and uh, he lights up the 49ers and and with a perfect throw from Jordan Love on a big touchdown pass. Uh, So he he has the trifecta. And uh, look, to your point, he is taking advantage of the fact that Scaling is gone. Christian Watson cannot get on the field nursing an injury. And um, Romeo Dobbs uh, is just ascending and that, that is showing um, on draft boards. And he, he is moving up the rankings quickly, as, as you mentioned. Yeah, and the last guy I'm just going to mention as a riser whiz is Isaiah McKenzie. There's a lot of balls that need to be caught in Buffalo uh, with the departure of uh, Cole Beasley, uh, with the departure of Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I think a lot of people believe coming into this season that it was going to be Jamison Crowder that was going to take over that slot position. I'm not sold on that right now, whiz, so that's a player I'm paying close attention to, Isaiah McKenzie, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I talked about McKenzie. I really, really like the player. Just not sure about the usage, um, but certainly keep your eye on the, the Buffalo Bills wide receiver depth chart as it gets closer to the season because uh, he he is an explosive player, and uh, there's a lot of things to like about him, and there are a lot of things to like about the Buffalo Bills as well. Um, the 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 one wide receiver that I think is a, well, there's two wide receivers who I feel are ascending that haven't been mentioned yet. I think when we got to like June, the thought process on Michael Thomas was more of the negative view. People weren't quite sure, uh, but it was kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to take a pass on the player. 
Then I think as we've moved on, it was like, I don't know, I'm not quite sure. Now it's more of like, you know, I see both sides of it. And now I just think with the, you know, the videos that have been put out and the word around camp and all that, Michael Thomas is moving up and uh, he's getting a lot closer uh, to where people expect him. Look, he's not going to be ranked as a top five wide receiver as he was a few years ago pre-injury and pre all before all the other nonsense but uh michael thomas i've noticed is is moving up the the, the you know the rankings where he is certainly going to be drafted in all standard leagues and uh as we get closer to september 1st i think that you know that that the, that adp may continue to ascend yeah I don't, I don't disagree with you it's moving up i think it's definitely in the wide receiver definitely wide receiver two category right now uh but quickly uh quickly climbing up the boards as you mentioned was and the other one is george pickens who i think is you know uh, you know just so much fanfare around the steelers and i'm not the biggest chase claypool fan um and i think there's a real opportunity now that said um I don't love the quarterback play for the Steelers. Then you combine that with, you know, rookie wide receivers. It's difficult to make them have an, an impact. And then there's a pecking order. you got to feel Deontay Johnson and Freemuth. Um, and then it'll be Pickens possibly. And then, of course, the number one player is Najee Harris running the ball. So it makes it a little difficult. But I think George Pickens has gone from a, a wide receiver who at one point was in rookie oblivion that is moving up uh, and ascending in, in draft boards as well. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think the one thing that has me slightly gun-shy, as you mentioned, is the, is the quarterback situation. It's not like he's walking into an elite quarterback, so that's kind of the hesitancy there. And, and, and I read some stuff, again, stupid stuff going on, even in practice with Claypool. He pulled stunts last year in games. Uh, this guy's got to get his head on straight because he's got a player that's going to be really uh, sneaking up on him in, uh, in terms of depth chart and usage. Yeah, and then the one other player that's that's going the other way is, boy, Tyler Lockett was a top 15, 20 receiver for a couple of years with, um, with, with Russell Wilson. And now, quite frankly, I, I have to use a telescope to find his ADP. It is just outrageous where he's fallen off to. And I know you made a comment the other day to me uh, that, you know, calling him poor Tyler Lockett because of the situation he's in, that's that's very, very true. But Tyler Lockett has just gone from a wide receiver to that you could count on every single week to complete obscurity in terms of a wide receiver ADP. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, Wes. It's, uh, it's a very valid point. It's, it's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, I, I did mention one player that I, that I thought would – be active in this offense. He caught a couple of balls yesterday, and, and that was Noah Font. I think he could be the biggest beneficiary in this offense, but I don't. I, I'm going to be staying away from the Seattle wide receivers this year, unfortunately. All right. Well, since you brought up Noah Font, you, are you noticing any rises and falls of the tight end? Yeah, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to talk about an elite player, and he's definitely falling in my book, and it looks like he's starting to fall in other people's books as well. And we're talking about Darren Waller here, Wiz, and I think the combination of the other players on this offense and the fact that Waller is now about to become 30 years old and he's been hurt, he's missed a ton of camp again, a new offense. Uh, I'm having more trouble trusting a player like Darren Waugh than I've had in the past, Wiz, and I think he's starting to fall a bit. 
Yeah, I just don't. I never. I'm. I never like when it's kind of, you know, there's an injury and you're not quite sure what the injury is, and the team is keeping it from you. And then, as you mentioned, you know, there's Renfro and Adams, and uh, and uh, you know, there's a reason um, why I think he's falling down uh, because some of those other tight ends, like uh, you know, like Pitts, is is clearly clearly the the focal point of the offense while that's not the same with uh with Darren Waller and then one tight end that I have a soft spot for and I just watched the Jets and you know we weren't quite sure but it just seems like the Jets quarterbacks have um a lot of trust in Conklin and uh, he, what I think, just in, I don't know, the first eight, ten minutes of the game, three passes. And I know that, you know, people are ranking like Uzoma and Conklin together. But I don't know. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. And I think Tyler Conklin could be a pretty good number two quarterback uh, with the Jets, you know, finally having a good tight end as a security blanket. So not drafting was a tight end one, but if you're in leagues where you have to draft two tight ends or you do draft tight ends, I think you could do worse than Tyler Conklin, who's a good player. And anytime you have a tight end that could catch the ball and is a willing, aggressive, strong blocker, he's going to stay on the field. So Tyler Conklin is, is a player that may be leapfrogging a bunch of these tight ends, um, in terms of tight end too. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. I mentioned Noah Font. I'm again. I just think with the caliber of the quarterbacks, they don't have big down the field arms. I think the biggest beneficiary in this offense will be Noah Font as a pass catcher. I I think he's going to be on the cusp of top twelve in fantasy leagues this year. Was I I I mentioned it again in the Seattle. Um, in the Seattle uh, summary that we did. And again, after the first preseason game, watching a little bit of what I saw. And he's not the blocker, but I think that this is a team that's going to be in 12 personnel a lot because they do want to run the football. But I think Font should be rising up draft boards. And he has started to rise up a few draft boards. Excellent. Well, that's all I have in terms of risers and fallers. Uh, anyone else? No, that's it. That's it for me, Wiz. Uh, you know, we covered a lot of different players. They'll, 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 like, like we talked about, there's going to be more. We didn't mention everybody. <laughs> there are probably a lot more players to discuss, of course. Um, I think we'll get a little bit more knowledge based on what happens in, in week two of the preseason. Remember, preseason is down to three weeks. And my personal view is we're not going to probably see uh, a lot of action in week three. Uh, historically, that's a, that's a week where you, you don't see a lot of those uh, you know starting players playing in week three. So I think we're coming up to a critical week in terms of uh, usage in the preseason games and what we see, Wiz. Absolutely. All right, so that is uh, it for this podcast of Rising and Fallers, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We are on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, and we're on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Uh, beautiful day out there. And, uh, yeah, make sure you pay attention. And Wiz and I did do every single team summary. So if you haven't listened to them yet, go back. They're all out there. So, Wiz, enjoy the rest of the weekend, and uh, we'll talk next week. You got it. <laughs>